from the Atonement Fargo studio on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota. This is That Podcast? To contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, do it at atonement.live slash podcast. And now, here's those crazy people with That Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke. As always, I'm joined by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung. Today on That Podcast, we welcome Don Growth. Don is a very active member here at Atonement Lutheran. He sings in the choir and the contemporary praise band and currently serves as vice president of the board of directors. Don is also known to some as a Minnesota State University Moorhead Athletics and Broadcasting Legend. Well, I wouldn't call myself a legend. Don, welcome to that podcast. A legend? Come legend. On. Ask my daughter. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when when they play the uh the Dragons games on, on TV and you're you're broadcasting. There you go. She'll sit and watch. She doesn't even care. Just she, watching the dragons cause, play. Because she hears Don Growth. Oh, That's Don Growth. Yeah, well. Then she's got bad ears or something. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you need to teach her some, some, I don't know, something. To be fair, though, you're a Denver fan, aren't you, Ryan? Ooh. So it's a pretty low bar for entry. To Are, I'd say. <laughs> I would say. Are we? Am I going to ask this question already? Oh, the Raiders are way ahead of. Broncos. Okay. Well, I, you know, I was going to save this for, for later, but we'll just do it now. Last question on my list. How does it make you feel to know that the last game the Oakland Raiders ever played ended in a one-point loss to the Denver Broncos? You mean the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. That's I what I said. It's, it's like the terrible. gauntlet gets thrown down right away. <laughs> well, hey, I didn't start. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So if you haven't noticed... Ryan's a Denver Broncos fan, and I'm a Raiders fan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I don't hold it against him. And I don't hold it against you most days. You know, here's a, a question. If you follow the Raiders, where are they going to be playing in the fall? Like, in Las Vegas. In is the, it going to be, I, I mean, yeah. but is it just in the Roomba. them? Or, is it, or are the other L.A. teams going to play there too? No. Because I don't know. They're not in L.A. They're in Las Vegas. You, right. Yeah. But, but it's like um, you hear about the stuff in the news about, you know, the COVID-19 lockdowns and stuff like that. And I heard someone like speculating about the California teams. Can they even play in California or will they have to go someplace else? Well, I just read a thing this morning that, uh, yes, the state schools have said that they're not going to have school on campuses, but that doesn't include UCLA, USC, Berkeley, nah, da, 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 go down the list. Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, I mean, uh, football, college football, uh, NFL football, uh, I, this might be a bad thing to admit, but that's kind of what I'm concerned about with the fall is are we going to have football or <laughs> Aren't <not>? we all? <laughs> Holy cow. Well, yeah. so to, to answer your question, though, DJ, they're, they're playing in a Roomba. Is that right? Well, here, take a look. <laughs> oh. <laughs> An actual Roomba. Well, look at it. Yeah, oh, Roomba. yeah, it goes around, and, and it's just going to clean everything up. Yeah, of course, if, the Raiders will. If you're listening, and, and, if you're listening and haven't seen Allegiant Stadium, right? Is that what it's yeah. called? Allegiant. It, yep. Take a look. It's just an overgrown, an overgrown Roomba. <laughs> or yeah. some people think it looks like a <clears throat> toilet lid. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're off of football. Let's get out of here. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, Don, thanks for coming on. This is going to be a good time. <laughs> Too much fun. <laughs> so how long have you been coming here to Atonement? Oh, gosh. Um, it's got to be 13 years, probably. 13. It was just before our now 24-year-old was getting ready to start confirmation, Alec, the one that graduated in 2014. Okay. And then our oldest son, Tyler, who graduated in 2008, after we joined here and started coming to church on a regular basis, um, he was watching all of the all of the kids in the youth program and, and the uh, mission trips and everything like that. He's like, why didn't we join this church earlier? <laughs> you know, because he didn't really get involved because he was already graduating from high school at that time. But uh, the two younger, uh, our two younger kids really, really had a great time. And I, and I always kind of joke about it. They, well, how did you know it was the right place? Well, when the kids were tugging at you on a Sunday morning, hey, we got to go. Or on a Wednesday night, they're tugging on your shirt going, dad, dad, give us a ride. We got to get to church. You know, mm-hmm. it's confirmation. So you knew you were in the right spot. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um. What uh, what brought you here? What, what did, was it just, uh, I mean. Kids program. The kids program uh, was. Yeah. So word of, word of mouth or, I mean, how did well, you, how'd you hear about it or, or. It was, it was more of a, we were out searching. We were looking. Number one, I, you know, it sounds terrible, but we only live two minutes from here, mm-hmm. from the church. And. We were in that house when our oldest son was going through confirmation, and we used to belong to a church up on 13th Avenue and Broadway on the north side. And by the time he was done with confirmation and the younger ones were going to be starting, traffic in this town changed. Mm -hmm. And it was a hard thing to get all the way up north on time every Wednesday all the time. Excuse me. Um, Plus, our oldest son, we had a carpool group that lived on the south side. So between the uh, about four grades worth of kids, there were five, six, seven families, and we were able to do carpooling for Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. So it all worked out really, really well. Well, by the time uh, uh, Alec was coming around, we didn't have that carpool anymore. There weren't any other families that lived south of the interstate that were going to church at at our old church. Okay. So um, we had to look and, you know, just freshen things up. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you came and became a member and, and you have gotten super active. How did you, uh, did you just, hey, I want to, I want to sing or. I think it was all by default. You know, if you stand around and people are pointing fingers. Hey, you, you go, come over hey, here. Exactly. You know, it was like, hey, would you help us with this? And Or could you? Or what do you think about doing this? Yeah. And, it, and it wasn't odd for me because I had been an elder and a and church board member at, at our previous church. And um, my wife and I, when we first got married, and we were teaching four-year-old 
uh, Sunday school. Well, she was teaching. I was just trying to herd the cats. <laughs> and, and she did all the work, and I just kind of played around with the kids. But um, we did that all the time, and, and she kind of stayed with that four-year-old, that pre-kindergarten age she always liked. And, and so we were always doing that. And even when we moved here, she jumped right into that, too. Mm-hmm. So she's an active person, too. Okay. suppose I should back up a little bit. Uh, Go ahead. What, what is your... What is your faith story? Yeah, what? I, I'm really curious because we kind of jumped to the, yeah. the end here. Yeah, we jumped yeah. right into the I, Raiders. I was an elder and I did this. I, I, I oh, God. Yeah, how do, we get, how do we get there? Well, I was born and raised in a small town called Herman, Minnesota. Uh, a town of about, at that time, about 600. It's a fine town. Yeah, very nice town. Yep. Um, uh, my parents were... Born and raised in a small town called Ogama, which is north of Detroit Lakes. Um, both my mother and my father's families were members of uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod up in Ogama. And when the families ended up, or my family, my dad and my mom before I was born, and my grandfather, and, and they moved because they had a they had a Ford dealership in Ogama and Ford Motor Company helped move them down to Herman. And then, so we, our family was part of a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod uh, Church, Bethlehem Lutheran down in Herman, Minnesota. And uh, um, I guess I, I never, I, knew, I never knew anything different. Um, every Sunday, even though we were only four blocks from the church, we were always last ones in. <laughs> Walking up, well, we sat in the front row, so you couldn't goof around, or you got a knuckle inside the head. Um, just, I mean, all those things. I, 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 I look back at I never knew anything different. Um, and then to have back in those days, um, uh, really, I grew up with one pastor in our church, and he served two churches as small towns were like that almost all the time and still are where they're sharing pastors. Um, uh, he was a real stickler for, especially when you got to confirmation and it was eighth and ninth grade only, but it was, uh, it was hard. You had to, I mean, you were put on the spot when on confirmation day, let's just put it this way. You better have learned your stuff because when it came confirmation day, it wasn't just a ceremony walk up, yay, you get pinned and you're done type of deal. We had to sit in chairs right up by the altar facing the congregation, and the room is full, and the elders fired questions at you. Boom, boom, boom. Do you remember any of the questions you were asked? I don't remember the questions. All I remember is the first question that was asked of me, and I, like I say, I don't even remember the question. And I went, I don't know that. And I sat there for, oh, it seemed like eternity. And I looked to my left, Sharon Groneberg, uh, <laughs> and she lives here in town. She's married. Her last name is Williams now. But um, Sharon was on my left, and uh, Julie Miller was on my right. There were two girls and three boys in that class, and I was one of the boys. And, and I looked at both of them, and I'm like, I don't know the answer. And I sat there just dead and i every every part of my being was you're done you are just done and then all of a sudden 
I had the answer. Mm-hmm. Boom. And then it was just a breeze. And everybody, nobody else had problems like that, I don't think. Well, maybe they did. I just didn't notice it on them. But um, So we were really, it was really pounded into us. Yeah. The scripture was, the, 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 the whole Luther's catechism just banged into us. Yeah. And um, I think I retained quite a bit of it yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I had to. You know, coming from um, a, a Lutheran tradition that was fairly close um, to Missouri Synod was the American Lutheran Church. That's that's mm-hmm. the church ALC. That, I, yep, mm-hmm. that I came out of, and we did the same thing. And um, I remember sitting up there, and, you know, our pastor took a little bit of, of mercy on us in that he gave us um, one answer that he would ask each one of us, like one question. He, he let us know in advance. But then they opened it up to the congregation. But then he did something really fun. When it was done, he turned it on the congregation, and we got to ask them questions. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. that was – but I remember just, you know, beads of sweat oh, coming down. Sure. Am yep. I going to remember? And all the different pieces. So you had to memorize the small catechism. Yes. Did you have to memorize or – learn any of the Lutheran confessions, like articles of the Augsburg Confession or the Formula of Concord, any of those things, or was it primarily the small catechism? Small catechism, yeah. That's pretty uniform. Oh, yeah. Yep. It was was a daunting task, as you put it, and and when you go to your first confirmation class in eighth grade and at those times, and and I had an older brother and older sister. I should have learned something vicariously, (laughs) but I don't think I did. So it took me a long time to, to really get things, you know, in, in scope. And yeah, yeah. But I didn't have a choice either. Right. It was, I shouldn't say that I had a choice, but it was the expectation. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And you definitely, there wasn't any of this, you know, you're not going to let your parents down by, I mean, you had to perform, and, mm-hmm. and that was just part of it. Albeit, Especially in a small town, you'd be shunned by the community. If, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nowhere else to run to at all. But it, and and I don't think I don't think it was a bad thing. I mean, I, I say it, and it sounds terrible that I was that it was you know force fed or or that I didn't have a choice. I had a choice, but but that it was the right thing. Yeah. You know? That's that's how my grandparents were. That's my parents were. My aunts, my uncles, my cousins, everybody were. We were all part of that same church, right? Whether it was in Ogama or if it was in Herman, you know. And even on, I'll tell you, even as a kid, we used to go all summer long. We would leave Herman and drive to uh, Ogama, White Earth Lake, and even on every Sunday at the lake, we went to church. At eight, well, seven forty-five, we had to leave the cabin and drive over to Tulabee Lake to a little country church and eight o'clock service, and we were out of there by eight forty-five. Now, did the church that you grew up in did it practice um, uh, separate seating between the men, the women, and the children? No. So families could sit together in the churches you grew up in. Yeah, that was. The, Probably ooh, early, early, early times of the going Lutheran. going earlier than well the yeah the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod very staunch many years before you know my time in that there probably was although my home church in Herman did not have women's suffrage okay women didn't vote in the church could not hold a uh, they held 
positions on committees and things like that, but never on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and <laughs> it's kind of funny because my dad had died in 95 and, and was a, a big part of the church there too. Um, uh, was one of the lay pastors. He, he would hammer us with a sermon every once in a while when the pastor was not able to. So, uh, uh, he was, he was actually a very good speaker. Um, but, uh, I remember my mother sometime after it had to be, my dad died in 95 and it would have been after 98, uh, around that time, 99, before she ended up moving back up to, uh, Detroit Lakes, closer to her home home. Sure. Um, but I remember her <laughs> talking to me on the phone and she talked about, you know, the vote went through and now, and now we all have a vote on the church, you know, <laughs> council. And she said it kind of like, I'm like, well, isn't that a good thing? She goes, no, <laughs> what, do we, what do we need to do? Why, why do we need to vote? And why do we need to hold a position? Well, now if you think about that small church, which my brother-in-law, my sister, and uh, still still are, uh, they belong live down there and belong to that same church. Um, but my 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 mom's whole thing on that was, we really didn't need to have a vote in our own congregation in our church. Yeah, I get it on the on the big scope of the synod and all of that, but she said here, no, they were in the middle <laughs> when all that happened. They were in the middle of a of a remodel of the church and everything had been chosen the colors for the paint on the wall and the draperies and and the, any of the window coverings and some of the some of the uh, or all of the fabric for the uh, benches which the pews were going to have pads oh there was never pads it was hard wood when i was a kid <laughs> anyway um then there it, so all of a sudden they had women's suffrage passed, and the women had a chance to vote, and they go to their first meeting, and they're like, oh, well, some of the ladies decided those aren't the right colors. We're going to change those, and it took three more months to get that whole remodel done because it should have been done in two weeks. <laughs> it took over three months, and my mom said it. it's all because they let us vote. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And, and now she's a she's actually a, a district or zone uh, representative at at she just had her birthday uh, last Friday and she turned eighty five, but I'm proud of that too. She's a, she's a zone representative and picked by the state of Minnesota to represent the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and she has been to the last I don't know six seven eight national conventions and been a been a represent uh, cool. representative of Minnesota's north zone of lutheran church missouri synod so that's great so even still now i mean i grew up it was all part of the family so sure you always you always were part of the church and uh and it was a big part of everything that we did family-wise all the time too so so if i can ask another question um growing up missouri synod being in missouri synod it is a different culture than the other you know, Lutherans, uh, er, there's, Lutheran doesn't mean the same in every part of, of the United States, you know. Um, Luther meant, didn't want the church to be called Lutheran, he wanted it to be called evangelical, or um, uh, gospel-focused Christians, and part of a movement within the universal church. Um, 
But Lutheran means different things, especially in the United States, where there's so many different strands of the Lutheran tradition that immigrated over here through the Germans and the different Scandinavians. Um, for you, beginning to come to atonement, atonement is not Missouri Synod and has never come out of the Missouri Synod tradition. Was it, was it difficult to connect? Uh, were there things that you're just like, I don't, this is so different to me. Um, the pastor here at the time, uh, I remember coming to church and we had, you know, we had visited about three or four different times and, and this will lead into part of my answer on this. And, uh, uh, the one time, excuse me, the one time we were getting ready to leave and shook hands and, and I saw him after the service and, and I said, yeah, I said, gosh, this is like the third time and boy, it's really cushy. And he was like, what? I said, it's gushy. It's so nicey-nice. I said, where's the law? Mm. It was all gospel. It was, everything was gospel. And it, and and you can't have the gospel without the law. Mm-hmm. There's the, the hammer and the nail or wh- however you want to put it. And he goes, you come next week and, and you'll... Uh, You'll feel a little different, I bet. And so, did he call you up by name the next week and, he did and not accuse you personally, <laughs> Pastor Paul Crosswood? I'll tell you, what. <laughs> you bet he would. No, he didn't, and uh, um, and it and it made a difference. It made a difference to the comfort level, and and when I was able to actually have a conversation with the youth directors and and the confirmation people about. What was, you know, where where was the track? Mm-hmm. Where where were you going to take these kids? Mm-hmm. You know, so so just for anyone listening that's wondering what what are we talking about here? When God's word breaks in upon you, you're going to hear it in one of two ways. Um, this this is theological language, but it's kind of the uh, the the way to understand what the Bible is saying. When you read it, you're going to hear it as what is either called law or gospel. The law uh, functions on you by the power of the Holy Spirit to do two things. It's going to tell you how to treat your neighbor. It's God's expectations for life. Um, it's it's the Ten Commandments. Yeah, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not um, covet. Uh, you shall not bear false witness, those type of things. It shows you how you are to treat your neighbor. That's the civil use or the civil function of the law. The second use of the law is theological. The law actually interprets you as a sinner because it sounds like this. You're the one. You did it. You're going to get it. And it's always an if-then scenario. If you do your homework, then you'll get a good get a good grade. If you eat your meat, then you can have your pudding. Um, you know, if 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 then if then I if know, then Pink little Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, they're a very law filled group. Um, <laughs> Somewhere yeah, along the line, and, and the purpose of the law is to accuse you and to hem you in so that you have no place left to go where you can then realize that you are a sinner in need of a savior. So that's the second use of the law. The Holy Spirit works it on on you in such a way that it not only limits sin and evil, but it points out your need for a Savior. 
this is how repentance happens spontaneously. So when preaching is happening, the law comes to put you to death. And death means there's nothing more you can do. You're, you're at your end. It doesn't mean that your body just quits breathing. You, you experience death all the time, uh, every single day. Deaths of relationships, deaths of dreams, deaths of your favorite TV show, whatever it may be, where there's nothing more you can do. The law works in that way so that you have ears to hear the gospel. And when you have ears to hear the gospel, the gospel comes in promises, not about what you must do or have failed to do, but completely what God has done for a sinner like you so that you would have faith in Jesus Christ. Um, This is what we call the proper distinction between the law and the gospel. And if done appropriately, the law always kills you. (laughs) It doesn't leave you a place to go so that the gospel truly becomes good news. Good enough answer? Mm -hmm. Excellent. I I think so. Excellent. Excellent answer. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) You were killed and made alive, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Brought right back. And uh, yeah, so it's been... uh, Do you know what's interesting about that? If there's not a proper distinction between law and gospel, like to someone who's listening for it, Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is the gospel becomes a new law. We make it into a law that it's not about how you treat your neighbor. It's how good are you? Um, um, you know, uh, have you done the right steps to believe in Jesus? Um, do you love enough? Um, Jesus, uh, because we're sinners, we will take the gospel message and turn it into a law because that's how we want to interact with God. We want to interact with God on our terms rather than on God's terms. And the gospel really short circuits our entire um, law scenario by which we live our lives because all of life is based on on laws. In fact, a good government is a government that is based on the rule of law rather than on like the rules of, of one man. Otherwise, you have like a dictatorship like a king. Mm-hmm. But, a, but a place like a republic like the United States, where we are... Um, living under the rule of equal law or equal justice, we would hope, where no one is greater than or less than um, the rules that we have decided as a society and how to interact with one another. And so we think that way. And if we don't get the law, God's word, the law, to do its work on us, we will turn the gospel into a law that we try to um, complete in order to earn God's favor. And that you can't do. And that you can't do. It doesn't work. Right. I'm off Excellent. my soapbox. Go oh, ahead. No, that's, <laughs> no, I, I, no. I, I, I wanted well, to make sure you were done. Yeah. It, was, it was good. I was, I was, uh, I was uh, not surprised, because I do know you, DJ, but uh, uh, how, you, how you took that from uh, what, what I had last said. And because of one of the reasons we ended up as a family coming here was, yes, there was the law behind it all. It wasn't just all gushy and, and gospely. Um, because there are too many, there are too many churches that, that totally, totally rely on the gospel. And there's a, there's a downfall there. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a problem for the congregation and for, for the people that, that live, every day 
thinking that they have to do this, have to do that, have to do that, and it only by good works am I going to be saved. Right. So um, you can't foster that. So. No, absolutely. There yeah. you go. So you you went through the the confirmation gauntlet, and and, and then uh, um, where, what was your next what was your next steps? Then you uh, you eventually moved to Fargo, obviously. I, I did. I actually moved to Moorhead um, right after high school and played football and went to school at Moorhead State. Legend. Uh, I, no, I'm not a legend. <laughs> wow, that's a big word. Um, I can tell you that that it wasn't always pretty. You know, mm-hmm. I was your typical college kid, and I got away from home and the staunch, you know, house. And yeah, I, I am curious to know, knowing knowing that you are um, uh, you were a football player for for uh, Moorhead State at yes. the time, right? Mm-hmm. How many beanies from Concordia did you get? <laughs> Is this public records? <laughs> no, there is no public records. Although I, I do, I do have to say we did return it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes, we ended up with one time just accidentally. Well, not really accidentally, but the Concordia kids dropped their beanies, and you just held on to them into for- a box, and the box made it into the back of my <clears throat> trunk of my '66 Ford Galaxy, and we shut the lid and had a box of 300. <clears throat> That's a big accomplishment. That's brilliant. That's great. Well, it was on beanie handout day. Oh. <laughs> None of them even had stickers on it yet. You know how they put their names on the mm-hmm. back? Did you go to Concordia? I went to MSUM. Oh, you went there. So yeah. you stole beanies too. We never got our hands on one. Oh, we, okay. We so, so we have two dragons in the room. Can you explain <laughs> this for folks who don't know what we're talking about? There's this rivalry going back a long time between Moorhead's... Minnesota State University Moorhead yes. and Concordia College that are both uh, uh, universities based in Moorhead, Minnesota. And a block away from each other. They are mm-hmm. one block, and in, and in that block is a cemetery that separates them. But, yes. Um, and it used to be a lot bigger of a deal, um, even, even before Sarah had gone to Moorhead State, because I think Concordia and Moorhead State never played football against mm-hmm. each other in your time there, nope. right? So that was a big thing because it was always the first game of the year for both teams, and there was just this all spring, all summer, this big hype up of who's going to win that game. And it was every other year, home, away, home, away, home, away. I say away because it was at Concordia's field. But um, And then when they would have <clears> – <throat> Their first days of school were before Moorhead State's because we were a Minnesota school. And back in my days, classes didn't even start until after Labor Day mm-hmm. in the state system even. So the football team was there first week of August, and they at Concordia started like August 20th for school. So there's a lot of evenings that we were done with meetings, and there was just a lot of time to twiddle our thumbs and think about, Stealing a beanie or two. <laughs> well, didn't steal them. We borrowed them just you know, to have them taped on the seniors' helmets at practice and stuff like that. But so you anyway. didn't you didn't re-embroider them or anything like that? Oh gosh, no. Uh-uh. I don't even have. I don't. I don't have anything like that in my possession still to this day. No trophies. None. Lots of pictures, but never one. And that box did go back. Yeah, yeah. Before Coach Forchie <laughs> found out about it. <laughs> 
Oh gosh. I bet you, yeah, there were 300 of them in there. You asked that question. That's well, well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> we returned it. Okay. Yeah, I oh, that's, that's, yes. I went to Morehead state. That's yes, great. I had a blast. Yeah. But it, 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 as a, as a college kid, I was your typical college kid playing football. Um, had a lot of other things on my mind than the church every Sunday. And, and, and it was kind of like uh, a little bit of a, the chains are off. Uh, I didn't have to get up on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Then there became a time where it was like, no, you really need to get up on Sunday morning. <laughs> you need to do this. You need to do that. And just within my own self, because, you know, as a kid, it was, you know, the, the bell was ringing or, or dad was yelling, let's go. And, uh, it was just ingrained, but I was your typical college kid. I had a lot of fun. Um, you can put that in any box you want when it comes <laughs> to fun. Uh, and uh, made it through unscathed. Um, but you had that, the, the Holy Spirit sort of tugging at you. to Always, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, to do the right thing, I returned that box. Come on. <laughs> we, we did it because it was a dare and a, and a, you were, as a freshman in, at Morehead State, you were kind of charged with, you've got to get the seniors on the team a beanie yeah. mm-hmm. so that they yeah. could tape it to their helmet for the week before the game and do that, right? So we made sure that that was handled and we were done. I, I had four accomplices. Do, I was driving, yes. Yeah, does uh, Concordia Security have a statute of limitations? Um <clears throat> they didn't even know it was gone. <laughs> we returned it before we returned it before my coach or anybody over there even knew it was gone. Because it came from like around the corner at the field house and yeah, it was whatever. Anyway, yeah. They had plenty of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a legal precedent I don't I'm no I'm no lawyer, but I wouldn't call that stealing. That that's probably called borrowing if they brought it back. So uh you you weren't stealing. You were taking what was rightfully yours, <laughs> right? Is that well? No, no. Gosh, no. I wasn't going to wear one either. <laughs> um, borrowing. borrowing. You know, on the other side of the coin, when I was um, looking at colleges, I was looking at Concordia, and um, I'd spoken to the football coach because I was going to go play football for them. Jim. Yep. And um, uh, in our conversation, this. I was living on the other part of the country at this time. I didn't know any of this stuff. But a good amount of our talk in about football was about protecting my beanie. So I think it was an accepted practice on the other side as well that not only were uh, the MSUM uh, students going to try to swipe your beanie, but as a freshman at Concordia College, it was your duty to protect your beanie. So I don't think there was any major malice um, wrapped up in any of this. Just kind of good. So he didn't ask you how stealthy you are or anything like that. He asked me how fast my forty was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty fast. And, and can you make a, can you make good cuts really fast? Exactly. Exactly. Good answer. Oh, that's funny. So, so then you you uh, come here to atonement and you just uh, get involved and and I mean everybody knows you. Everybody knows who Don is. If if you say Don with an extra N, yeah, they, that extra N in there, <laughs> then they know who you are. But uh, um, my wife would cringe hearing you say, "Everybody knows you." <laughs> I, it 
it's not what I set out to do. No, no, okay. it's just who you are. It's, and and that's all right. Uh, like I said, my daughter, my kids love you. If they see you on TV, they love it. They're great kids. Yeah. Um. So you you how long have you been serving on the board of directors? You're vice president now, mm-hmm. and uh, have another year of that. I think. Or oh no, it'll be done this coming year. Next year. Mm-hmm. Time flies when you're yeah, having fun. I think this is year number eight. Okay. As a member of the board, I was off, then reelected mm-hmm. two times, I think now. Something like that. So what what was uh what surprised you the most or what was when you when you got on the board, you're like, I never knew that. Or like, wow, that's different. Oh, or gosh. wasn't there really anything that? Uh... Um, no, no. Not overall, no. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, some of the inner workings on the, on the, on the business side of it mm-hmm. were were different than what I had experienced elsewhere. Things that people just don't understand. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, or that are part of it, and everybody is. I mean, it's so transparent i mean anybody can ask for any of the information and it's all right there right but just in in part of it would go back to children's weekday ministry cwm that that we used to hold and have here which was an entity under under but not part of the church so there were some inner workings on that end of things that were a little different than i'd ever experienced before Mm -hmm. and then yeah so so what has all this meant to your your faith journey, being being involved in serving on as vice president or serving on the board or or I, I don't want to I don't want to upset anyone outside of here. Everybody knowing you and <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's kind of a political way to put it. She'll never listen to this anyway. Well, maybe not. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what now? So, uh, what what is what is all this meant to you? Be being involved uh, is is you know. I'm trying to figure out how uh, how to explain my question. I guess um, what is it meant to you to be as involved as you have been, and how has it um, affected your your journey, or or you know brought you forward in your journey, you know, moved you along in your faith journey? Well, I, to answer that, I think it, I think it isn't, um, uh, it isn't so much of, well, I guess every little bit is, is a big help Mm -hmm. every day, but that's, I don't know. That's kind of who I am Mm -hmm. is what can I do and what do I have for a time or a talent that can help? Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that you always have, um, uh, the 80, 20 rule and everything, you know, I'm in sales and, and you're going to have 20% uh, attrition every single year in your sales. You're going to have to find 20% new business. You're going to have to do these things. And, and so you're always in a cultivating mode, right? In any organization, which I've been a party to multiple other nonprofit organizations and sat on boards and done all of that and and even been presidents of, of some of those. 
and you it, it when you look at it all, it's like in anything. You've got the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people are doing 80% of all all the stuff, all mm-hmm. the work, all the volunteering, all the whatever, and 80% aren't because that's not who they are. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not part of their fabric or their fiber or who they can be, right? But you do have this other group. And knowing that that group is small, I think that that I'm part of that 20% that is willing to jump in. I might not be the best at any of it, but I'll give my I'll give every ounce of what I have to to help and be do something better mm-hmm. or help somebody's vision get follow through on um, whatever it might be. And I wouldn't say that I'm even a I'm not a visionary by any means in my own mind. I don't look at anything like that. But I can jump in and I can be a helper and I can speak to people. I can talk. I can, there's a few things that, that I do because I love it. And that would be singing. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, since I was a little kid, I loved to sing. So being able to be involved that way as I was at the other churches that I belonged to along the way too, and my whole life's journey or, or faith journey, um, that's something that I can do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I doubt myself on that even, but most of the time I'm pretty confident in the fact that I can, I can provide that piece of what God has given me mm-hmm. for a talent. One of them is striking up a conversation with anybody, and the other one is singing. Mm-hmm. So any time I can be a help and pitch in, um, that's, that's where you, that's where you find me. And that's why, um, being a part of, uh, the atonement family is excellent too, because there are such a wide range of people in all different walks of life, in all different ages. And, you know, Sarah's quite a bit younger than me, younger than you. Mm-hmm. And younger than DJ, but there's a connection on all of this. And take Zach with the with the youth uh, program; he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. I've got kids older than him, you know, <laughs> and you know stuff like that. But you get to interact with all of these different people, and and I think um, atonement has really um, been a big uh, plus for me, just because there are more opportunities here. There were more opportunities for my kids. Um, that was a driving point. Um, uh, the faith journey and the pastors here and, and, and the youth program. And, and then you take the musical program and, the, and you take somebody like Mark Soljum, who's just this awesome person and so talented when it comes to music, when it comes to message, when it comes to organizing and, and doing things. All of these things are just, phenomenal and i'm i'm just you know i'm tooting the horn of atonement lutheran church but to get here and be part of it is actually it's kind of a blessing did that answer your question (laughs) sarah did it answer okay i'm just i'm just sitting over here nodding my head (laughs) because i feel exactly the same way yeah yeah oh yeah i'm just gonna take that clip and like put it on a facebook video or something (laughs) like intro of here it is atonement (laughs) here it is well it is i guess 
I guess what I was getting at was how um, by becoming more involved, um, you've you've found a community, really. Oh yeah, and and, and you you sort of touched on that. Yeah, uh, where yeah. where you embrace where there's a bigger embrace of family. Right. I know I have a great family. I mm-hmm. mean, my own personal family with my children and my wife. Right, and and then my direct siblings and my direct cousins, you know, that part of the family, that's super strong. And they're all, they all fall into the very strong Christian faith, mm-hmm. all of them. So that's never ever a question on any of it. My brother, my sister, their, their kids, their kids after that, you know, my grand nieces and nephews. And, and then you go up the ladder and you can go on both sides and, they're all that way. So that's why I was brought up. Well, that's what I feel here too with, with the congregation here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool. Um, how, how, how you can come in and get involved and be a part of another extension of your family. Yeah. And God's family. Right. I think when... Um, Maybe I still didn't answer that question no, no, correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so growing up, I was not involved in my church at all, uh, in, in any of the churches that I was in. And then uh, when I came here, I did really get involved. And I saw you as one of those people, like you said, who were involved in a lot of different things. And then I started seeing all the people that you were talking to, like this guy talks to everybody. He knows everybody. And, I, you know, well, he's involved in a lot of stuff. So I started I started doing that. And, and the more I got involved, the more people I met. And the more people I met, the more connected I felt. And uh, I just, um, I like that. And, and it's a great way to, you know, wherever you go to church, to um, be a part of that community and be a part of God's family. And, and so that's kind of what I was getting well, at, I guess. I didn't know that. Uh, well, I, I probably didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I probably know. didn't ask it as well as as I, I was trying to figure it out. Well, that's as I was I, asking, <laughs> I, I for you to to say those things about me is. <laughs> well, we didn't bring tissues. So. Oh, I say break out the tissues! <laughs> Holy cow! I got a so. shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, Go Raiders. Well, I don't think you ever answered my question, and, and uh, it's one of those deals where I, I, I think last week I saw that that um, SD card will hold 15 hours worth so until I get an answer. What's the answer? What's the answer? Well, I don't know what the answer is. The question was, how did you feel about the fact that the Oakland Oakland Raiders' last game was a one-point loss to the Broncos, (laughs) 16-15? They've beat the Broncos more than enough times. I think I'm okay with it. More than enough times. Yeah. You know, as someone who's a Broncos fan, did you ever play the old video game Tecmo Bowl? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did it bother you that, like, it was rigged to make, was it, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson or just Marcus runs Allen. Over everybody. <laughs> it was it was likely created in L.A., <laughs> which is where I think they probably were based at the they time. They were at the time. <laughs> oh, for sure, Bo Jackson, of course. <laughs> Lawrence, Bo Jackson, and Lawrence Taylor; those were the two that you wanted. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's who you wanted. Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, uh, this was fun. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I'm glad you were here. 
Sarah. Yes. We still need to talk to you. Yeah. So what happened last week? You you fell we, off the face. We uh, <laughs> I, I kind of thought you got raptured. DJ was concerned. Some of my uh, my uh, end of times theology here. I wish no. Um, I wasn't in the office because. I will say it, every married 20-something couple needs their single 20-something friend living in their basement for cheap rent. So I live with some friends, and <laughs> they live in a house in South Moorhead. So we got our floors redone, like our hardwood floors refinished, and that is a long process. So I was confined to the basement. You were trapped. I was. It was like, you don't. You couldn't even get out? No. Like, we couldn't. The final coat was on. It was like, don't step on this for four hours. The, the floor is lava, the real mm-hmm. game. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 I would have tried to figure out a way <laughs> through a window on a rope over the top of the door or something. I was thinking some kind of stilts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but then you still got to. Yeah, but it's not you. Yeah. I mean, it's just... You could do a sort of a George of the Jungle thing and oh, try, try to swing. But that would have required like putting something in the ceiling beforehand. I didn't oh, think that yeah. far ahead. Oh, I but see. Yeah. And then I also work at CCRI. So then I get at because I had to work it. 4.30 that day. So finally the, the floors are cleared up and, and we're still broadcasting and, and you disappeared. Was it because there was a, a way to get out of the building? So yes. it was time to go? Okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> perfect time right before I have to leave to get to Moorhead. And I'm like, well, on the phone, just yep. hang up. We, we, were, we were glad to hear that you were okay. I was yeah. a little concerned, <laughs> um, but we found out afterwards that you were doing just fine. I, I wanted to bring up one more thing about South Dakota. Oh, okay, let's and, hear it. And no, no, I... I <laughs> I, I haven't jumped on the bandwagon of attacking South Dakota, but I will say this about North Dakota. But you should. North Dakota, <laughs> North Dakota, in my opinion, is the best kept secret in all the United States. Okay. However, the reason I say that is because everywhere I've been outside of the Midwest thinks that South Dakota is North Dakota. Um, when I was in Charlotte and people would say, oh, you're from North Dakota. That's where Mount Rushmore is, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, that's, that's South Dakota. Oh, you're in North Dakota. Isn't that where um, Custer's Last Stand took place? No, no, that's that's South Dakota. Um, oh, you're from North Dakota. Isn't that where the big biker rally happens every year? No, that's South Dakota. So I, I have a little bit of South Dakota envy because they have better press, See, I think. So I just need to move to the South to have appreciation for my a- Absolutely, state. absolutely. Then, then they, you can ask everybody in, in North Carolina if, is North Carolina and South Carolina all one to other places in the country? <laughs> yeah, just, just like call North it the and Carolinas. South Carolinas. <laughs> yeah, I guess they do say the Carolinas, but right. it's plural, so and everybody. Up here, I've got people, the friends that call it the Dakotas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that they, includes uh, Manitoba when they talk about the Dakotas. <laughs> I think I think South Carolina. I, I can't speak so much for South Carolina, but I think they get confused with North Carolina because North Carolina has things like March Madness mm-hmm. and North Carolina has um, NASCAR and right. North Carolina has um, uh, the Outer Banks and, and just all of these things. It's the, the heart of the, the Cherokee Nation is in North Carolina, whereas I think South Carolina is not as well known for its stuff as North Carolina is. And I think that's the problem that North Dakota has with South Dakota. However, I'm okay with it. Because I like North Dakota just the way it is. Thank you very much. And it, <laughs> it's the best kept secret, in my opinion. So it, Very very level in yes. all senses. Yes. Except for the Badlands. Yes. There's no NASCAR in South Carolina? <laughs> I'm sure there is, but it's, uh, uh, it's Charlotte, a Charlotte Motor Speedway is, is 
kind of the heart of NASCAR. Isn't isn't uh, wasn't Ric Flair from North Carolina as well? Mm. Woo! Uh, he was from Minnesota, <laughs> but um, or think, or lived he, in yeah no he he lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's why his yeah. daughter Charlotte took on the name Charlotte Flair when she started wrestling. So there's another South state that we don't need. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> Ryan, I'm just going to say, you can't be North Dakota without something south, south of it. Of yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just like being North Maine. What? <laughs> you don't need it. There's no South Maine. Uh, <laughs> have you been paying attention to the states battle that we've been... <sighs> That we've been having, it's been it's been raging for oh, weeks terrible. now. Now we just brought the Carolinas into the oh, into the conversation. Get them all. <laughs> all right. Well, um, did anybody have anything else for Don as he sits across, like he's being interviewed right now? I have now. one question for Don because you're involved in a lot of stuff. Is there any like volunteer positions? If somebody came up to you and said, "Hey, would you help with this?" What what would be the one like? So if Ryan Kemp was like, "Hey, I need a group leader for like sixth grade boys for confirmation," done or it. what would be your no? Huh? What would be one that you'd say no to? I've done that here, even yeah. Um, I I don't know. I don't know that there's anything. I don't that I would. I mean, there's things that I wouldn't be very good at, but if you were in dire need, I would. Jump in and try to help. So, um, so Don, we've got confirmation <laughs> coming up in the I fall. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I mostly just wanted this on record for Oh, he was setting me up. <laughs> That's what all this was. Just to set up. <laughs> well, I've done it already. So, And I team taught for a while. Did you? Yeah, for, gosh, not Alex's group, um, but Emily's, for sure, Emily's group, and then two years after that. So she was a class of 2016, so 16, 17, 18. Because, like, um, the Lynn's boy, uh, the baseball player, when he was in sixth grade, I had that group. Okay. With um, Johnny and one of the Barta boys and that whole crew. So were you were you with them all the way through confirmation? Um, or? No, I just stayed with, that six, with the sixth graders. Okay. So I kind of... I didn't, somebody else was part of that group too, and they went on with them. Okay. But I stayed like at sixth for like, I think it was three years. So. Oh, cool. All right. There you go. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for joining us, Don. Thanks Thank for having for coming me. coming on. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Did we learn anything today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. It, it, we did, and it was the fun. Raiders and are better than the Broncos. That, no, that that <laughs> never. Not we did learn that the Raiders are going to play in a Roomba next year. <laughs> That's a fact. Look it up. Oh golly, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> cheap flights down to Allegiant. That's that's true. Right now, the cheap flights anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> so if you really want to fly, you can right now. Yeah, I uh, a while back there was a lady who flew by herself on a plane. I can't remember where oh, she was there going. Were no other yeah. seats bought. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And they flew yeah. the plane? For yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. Who I, was it? Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> no, I don't think so. She had the whole Ivana plane to herself. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. Michelle Obama? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. I think it was, yeah, it was Myrtle Gunderson from New Rockford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the April fourth. CNN. Oh, uh, Cheryl. Oh, I lost it. Cheryl Pardo. Oh, I thought you were going to say Crow. No, no, no. She could have probably uh, it, taken it, that. It was because she had to go see her mother, who was uh, on her on her deathbed. It looks like. So they they flew the plane for her. She oh. had it to herself. Wow, amazing! Yeah, hats, wonder, off, hats off to the airlines for doing that. Yeah, uh, let's see if it says who that was. Uh, American, American Airlines. They even bumped her to first class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they had plenty of seats there. Well, they depend, depends. balance on the plane. Well, you kind of have to, you know, distribute weight, so uh-huh. move up to the front because mm-hmm. usually somebody in the back that could well, it, yeah that's true all right we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up thanks picture, don again the plane flipping for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Allie had her in the wrong seat she was, uh, <laughs> darn it she's the only one i know but we tried to balance it she was uh, 115 pounds i know but it just made that much difference i'm just imagining the pilot like every dad on a boat like yeah. get to the back even yeah. on the way get to the back and nobody's listening Ah, uh, that's right. funny. Sinking a pontoon. Yep. I've done that. <laughs> all right, Ryan, you better wrap up the second uh, uh, show. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Um, you can find th- that podcast now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and CastBox, as well as uh, uh, the YouTube and Atonement.live. You can find us anywhere. So, again, if you have any questions or comments, please leave them at atonement.live slash podcast, and we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody.